And he's got it. Perfect. Amazing. Yeah. Guys, we are so excited to be with you again. You made mm-hmm. it through another week in the world. Congratulations. Yeah. Well done. Okay, no, I can't have this here. This is going to bother me all Are service. you going to eat it? No. It's like crushed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Kobe it into the garbage can. Oh, no, definitely not. Now it's back there somewhere. I'll vacuum it up in the morning. But it's not in my sight line. That's the important thing. Oh, man. Dude, what are we doing up here? What are we doing? Well, for those of you, if we haven't met before, my name is Tony. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here. I get to serve alongside this amazing team. Uh, what I do when I'm not here is I work with computers a lot at an insurance company. Yeah, so... Um, which is great because every once in a while I'll just be on my computer and Nick will text me something spiritual and then I'll just burn like 20 minutes looking at Bible manuscripts and stuff. Like and everyone today? just assumes because I'm on my laptop that I'm doing something official. But uh, little do they know. Kingdom official. Kingdom official, yeah. yeah. My second job. <laughs> Anyways, what we're here to tell you guys about tonight is we want to continue our series that we started last week called Asking for a Friend. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea with this series is for us to be able to bring our questions that we think we should know the answers to, but we don't know the answers. <laughs> so last week, we talked about a couple different things. We, we got into some big questions. We got into building a bit of a framework for how do we actually ask big questions that we struggle with in the world. And here's the big thing with this topic. We're not asking you to write out a list of all the questions and submit it to us at the end of the service. No. The main thing we're asking is for you to be honest with yourself. For you inside your own mind and your own heart to be honest. What are the questions that I'm not asking or that I'm not getting an answer to? And then as Jonathan and Nick started last week, we then take those questions first to Jesus before we do anything else with them. Because Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not the Bible is the way, the truth, and the life. There's a lot in there. Not your parents are the way, the truth, and the life. Again, another great source. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right. So our goal with this series is to, for all of us, leaders included, to um, make a commitment and build a framework around the fact that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And so as we have these big questions, we filter them through that framework. So tonight, we kind of want to take one more step into asking for a friend, and we want to get into some questions about our faith, because before we go outside of this place, before you go outside of your homes, it's really important for us to have a space where we can ask questions about what this book is all about, the Bible, mm-hmm. where we can ask questions about what, it, what does it mean like for Jesus to die on the cross. Like We can ask questions about some of the weird stories in the Old Testament, and so we're going we're gonna to start that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and tonight is also in that is about who is Jesus and what does that, what does Jesus mean when we say he's the answer to our questions? Because Nick and I are confident that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But we don't want to take for granted maybe that's a new concept to you. Maybe Jesus has only been someone you've heard about or read about but never been told that he is that important to you. So... That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So, okay, so to start us off, what, what kind of questions are we talking about? Yep. Here's, here's one that I found myself asking when I was just a little bit younger than you. I'll never forget. I was sitting. I'm, just, I'm lying in bed. My dad's, like, tucking me in. Remember when you used to get tucked in? Wasn't that the vest? I don't get tucked in anymore. <laughs> Tuck myself in because I'm a man. 
<laughs> so, okay, so I'm getting tucked in. My dad's sitting on my bed, and I'm like, Dad, how do I know if I'm going to heaven? But, but so Boom. This, this is a real, it's a real question that I had as like a, whatever, nine or ten-year-old. Dad, how do I know that I'm going to heaven? And I'll never forget what he said because I was, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting. I was ten years old. But I was genuinely wondering, how do I know? And my dad just kind of like, he was like, son, if you're worried about it, you're probably fine. <laughs> but, but that, and that is, a, that is a great answer. That's and a good answer. What, and this whole thing about how do we know we're going to heaven? I mean, we, we have confidence in Jesus that he is the way, he is the truth, and mm-hmm. he is the life. And Jesus promises us that when we give our life to him, um, he cleanses of our sin, and he gives us eternal life. Um, but there's so much conversation around, is there anything that I can do to lose my salvation? And I have no idea. Yeah. And that is something that I would say had been a personal question for me, even as a kid and as a teenager, is the, I was very assured of my faith when I was young. But as I got older and, you know, different choices and paths open up to me, I would get to this point where I'm like, whoa, does Jesus still want to save me? Does Jesus still, like, want to be with me. And it's funny how that would express itself in different ways. So there was this question inside of me that like, oh, can I do something that will scare Jesus off of me? And then I would like find myself sending these really like long, detailed, meaningful texts to my friends, hoping that they would affirm that like they still liked me and that they still wanted to be my friends because I had this question about Jesus. So we want to recognize that questions they don't stay small oftentimes. If you have a question about one thing, it's going to kind of expand into the rest of your life, especially when there are questions about identity or about who am I or am I loved? Does God love me? That doesn't stay in that realm. That usually expands out everywhere. And uh, yeah, like, and the questions don't always have a simple yes or no answer. Or even if they do have a yes or no answer, there's still sometimes more to it. Right. Like your dad was talking with you about. Exactly. So we want to highlight a couple stories from the Bible that some of you might know, Mm. some of you might not know. Um, And that's okay. You can go and read them later because they're very interesting. They're gnarly. Yeah, some of them are super gnarly. (laughs) Yes. And and so what we want to, we want to highlight some because there's some stories in the Old Testament that are in this space where we're like, man, what, what, how is this possible that God is involved in this? What, where is the, where is Jesus in this story? There's, there's lots of discussion. So some mm-hmm. of these questions, Tony, what are some that we have here? Well, some of the stories. Oh, some of the stories. Okay. So there's this one in Exodus where Moses and the Israelites are traveling. And then this guy named Korah is like, yo, Moses, you're not the holiest one in the camp. Like me and my friends are just as holy as you. And we're going to prove it before God. And Moses is like, oh, you don't want to do that. And God says, like, okay, Korah, step to the side. And an earthquake just opens up the ground and swallows Korah and his buds. And not, like, in a cartoon way, in, like, a dead kind of way. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, yes. Okay, another one. Um, We know about Noah's Ark. Because, mm-hmm. dude, my baby room when I was a kid had a, a painting of, like... Because Noah has the animals. Dude, he's got all the animals. Yep. He's got all the animals in his hand. And, but, but think about the other side of the Noah's Ark story. Think about the outside of the Ark. So Noah and all the animals are safe, but everybody else in the world dies. That, what is the deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. This is, like... And we're highlighting, like, some of the most difficult-to-understand stories... In the Old Testament. Like, 
they're difficult for us to understand. Right. It's like when you're watching a movie and your parents come down at just the wrong scene. <laughs> like, it's, yes, you all know it. It could be like a documentary about butterflies <laughs> and just that one scene. A mommy butterfly and a yeah, daddy butterfly. Yeah, mommy butterfly and a daddy butterfly. <laughs> okay, there's But a this s- is, like, so, like... Another scene that people may read in the Bible is like Elisha the prophet is walking around one day and some youths, youths, just like like yourselves, start making fun of him because he's bald. So Elisha, in a completely mature, well-thought-out response, calls a couple bears to come attack the youths. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. Super gnarly. Super gnarly. Last gnarly story that causes us to have some big questions that's in the Bible. You probably have heard of, if, if you've been around church for a little bit, you've heard of Israel. Have you heard of them before? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Israel is slaves in this desert nation called Egypt. And God has this rescue mission played out to save Israel and take them out of slavery and into freedom. And he does that by doing some of the gnarliest stuff. Like he sends yep. frogs into all of their things like imagine you go to get dressed and there's like frogs inside of both of your socks like that's what Egypt was experiencing they got like boils like pimples that are like the size of golf balls like that it it gets to a really crazy point where Pharaoh says he doesn't want to do what God is asking him to do and so the firstborn son in every house in Egypt is killed one night that's crazy Mm mm-hmm so what is the deal with all of these stories? Like, how do we find yeah. Jesus? What, what, is the, why, what is happening? How, how does this relate to the New Testament and kind of what we hear about Jesus? And here's the thing. All of these stories have their own discussion, their own context, their own way of reading them and understanding them. And honestly, like, we could probably talk for an hour about each one. And, but sometimes we understand it's really hard to get there. It's hard for us to get there. Like, we, we were on the phone, and we were talking about the Korah story, and we're just going back and forth going, like, what does it mean? So it's not like we have it all figured out either. But how, when we're reading our Bibles, do we go from this story to, like, Jesus? Right. Because that's where we want to arrive. That's where we want to encourage all of you. This is a journey to get closer to Jesus through everything we read and through everything we learn about God. Right, and so a reminder from last week, and, and we want to mm-hmm. reestablish the purpose is to go on a journey with Jesus to find, because remember last week we talked about how Jesus will give us the truth that we need in a package that we can receive it in. Because Jesus is the truth, so he's not going to give me a different truth than he's going to give Tony. But he might give me the truth in a different wrapping paper or package based on where I am on my journey with him. And these big questions in the Bible that are sometimes really confusing, they're sometimes hard to answer based on what we're going through in our life. And so a story about an earthquake swallowing up a bunch of dudes might make me really uncomfortable, but we do believe that Jesus is going to help me sit. He's going to sit with me in that uncomfortable spot, and he's going to help me see the truth. And that is the challenge of what I would call a mature relationship with Jesus, is that Jesus doesn't always lead you to the most comfortable places, but Jesus is always leading you, and Jesus is always with you. That's, and that's like part of becoming an adult as well as part of becoming a mature believer, which so many of you guys are like getting to the edge of that, is like you're soon going to be 
doing so much more of both your life journey by yourself, but also your spiritual journey where you're going to be leading it and you're going to be, yeah, like answering and going to Jesus with your questions in a way that you maybe haven't done before. So good. So as we read the Bible, we read these weird stories about God, and then we read these amazing stories about Jesus. And Jesus makes a claim that he and God are the same. They are Mm -hmm. one. So how does that, like a big question that I found myself asking when I was sitting in the seat that you're sitting in is, how do I make sense of the God that's in the first half of the Bible and the God in the second half? Well, the second part. (laughs) It's not half. (laughs) <laughs> but how do, I, how do I reconcile the two? And Jesus gives us this amazing, amazing phrase. So in John chapter 14, right after Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in. If, if you have seen Jesus, then you have seen the Father. If you have seen Jesus... You've seen the perfect human picture of what God is like. Because in that passage, one of the disciples literally said to Jesus, show us the Father. And this was after three years of traveling with Jesus. And Jesus responded to that disciple. He said, you guys have seen the Father because you've seen me. Jesus, part of the gift of Jesus being on earth was that he had a physical body, that he walked and he talked and he interacted with people in the same way that we would. And that is a gift because we get to see how the perfect Jesus, the perfect God, interacts and would walk on this earth. And this is so helpful for us as we process these big mm-hmm. questions because we, we then have to take, okay, the, God caused an earthquake to swallow up all of these dudes. What, on, what is happening? We have to take that story and put it on pause for a second and look at that story through the lens of of Jesus, the human, Mm -hmm. who is the reflection of the Father. Because we know that we talked about last week that God is good. Remember how Jonathan and I kind of played out that scenario. God is always good. And so if God is always good, but we see a story where it doesn't seem like he is, we have to look at it through the filter of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's so important as we read these confusing stories. Yeah. So we're going to take one story quick right now. It's a story found in John 8. Basically, Jesus and his disciples are walking down the street one day, and the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, bring a a woman who, according to them, was caught in adultery. And they bring this woman before Jesus. Adultery is sleeping with someone who you're not married to, by the way. Mm -hmm. And so they say... And they ask this to test Jesus. They say, Jesus, this woman has been caught in adultery. The law says we should stone the woman. Now, interesting note, the law actually said both people should be stoned. So the Pharisees are playing a little bit of a game here, getting one person in trouble and not the other one. So already they have an agenda. And Jesus is smart enough to understand this. And this is one of those moments where it's so amazing that we get to see literally how does God respond to the actual sin of someone who's right in front? And Jesus... Keep going. Oh, okay. And Jesus, um, he actually does something funny. He starts, he kneels down in front and he starts writing on the ground. Writing or drawing, we're actually not sure. And like the Pharisees are getting kind of antsy. And like imagine this scene. So there's like a woman there who's like, she could die in the next hour or less. Like, this is, like, as, like, this is serious. Like, this would be very awkward to watch. And the and, important thing to understand is, the, like, the police officers of the day, they would say, oh, okay, we have to kill this lady. Yep. 
they were not going to stop anything. And so the, Jesus is writing, and the Pharisees are getting antsy, and then Jesus looks up at them, and he gives an answer, and he says, those of you, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. And then he just keeps writing. And so Jesus makes this bold claim. He says, hey guys, though the person who thinks that they have never done anything wrong, that they are so above this woman who's done something wrong, you start and then everyone else can go after them. And it says, one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they left. And then Jesus was left riding on the ground. And I can never preach the story without saying this next point, which is so important. Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Who was the one person there who could have started? Jesus. Whoa. Let that sink in. Like, he could have. He was without sin. He's God. He knew everything. And according to their law, Mm -hmm. that would have been fine. The law which came from God. But Jesus doesn't. And Jesus says, I don't, uh, he says to the woman, where are your accusers? And the woman (laughs) thinks really quickly and she goes, they've all left. (laughs) And then Jesus says, okay, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. And Jesus in that moment sets this new paradigm of God's response to sin that's different than maybe something else we've ever seen, that Jesus extends mercy. But then the question is, why and, and how could Jesus extend this mercy? Like, why did Jesus not punish her? Right, and this is, the, this is a really interesting thing in this story because Jesus was without sin. He had every legal and just right mm-hmm. to throw the first stone, but he doesn't. And the reason that he doesn't is because of this thing that we talk about all the time called the cross. Mm -hmm. Jesus is sitting there with this woman, and he sees all the the dudes leave who think that they can throw the first stone, but they realize they can't. And Jesus doesn't condemn. He doesn't punish. He doesn't demand um, uh, payment for this woman's sin. Because in the back of his mind, he knows that he is going to make that payment. Mm-hmm. He is going to pay for the wrong that, that she did on the cross. And this is the beauty of this moment with Jesus. Because he is the very first human to be able to so perfectly walk in God's mercy and his grace. To hand it out to others. Because he knew that he was going to pay for that sin on the cross. Jesus was the first human that didn't deserve any punishment and then became the first human to fully receive God's punishment. That's that's the person of Jesus. That's what God the Father, part of what God the Father wanted us to see when Jesus came down, to understand that God was going to receive the punishment for the things that we did. And if you actually look throughout the Old Testament, that's all what that's so much of what the Old Testament is leading up to, is this perfect person who will be able to receive the punishment that we deserve. So, Tony, when I am hearing this story, I begin to ask myself the question, so how does Jesus on the cross, Mm -hmm. like, how does it fix what that woman did wrong? Or how does it fix what I have done wrong? Like, how does that that work? And the, the answer to that question... I think it's really interesting because the cross, and hear me out, the cross does not fix what you did wrong. 
The cross pays for what you did wrong. You, so if I sinned against Nick or against Nick's family, the cross would pay the punishment, or has, the cross has paid the punishment for what I did, but the cross does not fix the relationship between me and, and Nick, and the cross actually does not fix what happened to Nick and give Nick the ability to forgive. But there is something that does do that. But we want to make sure to emphasize that on the cross, God was both the punisher and the receiver of the punishment. So Jesus was God and received the punishment from God that we all deserved. And all the evil that we did was paid for on the cross. And then, so the cross pays for what we did wrong, but when it comes to fixing what we did wrong, then there's another event that we point to that's in some ways even more powerful than the cross. And this is the second part of the story of Jesus on the cross is so incredible because he comes Mm -hmm. back to life. Like he dies and then he is raised back to life. Now, that doesn't happen very often, first of all. Has anybody else seen somebody be dead and then come back to life? Nope. Bueller? No? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Good check. (laughs) What? I said good check. (laughs) Yeah. So this is incredible. This is an incredible moment in the story because... The Jesus' death on the cross pays for our wrong. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that he is raised back to life gives us the power to now live a new life transformed through the Holy Spirit. And so the cro- through the cross, Jesus redeems us. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, an important thing for us to know, this word redeemed. Jesus releases us from the power of sin on the cross, and then he continually sets us free through the, through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a really important thing for us to, to kind of um, wrestle with because the moment that Jesus died, he paid for your wrongs and he paid for your sin. And then the moment that he rose again, we now have access to the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live a new life. But if you're anything like me, you don't always feel that powerful, <laughs> right? Yeah, Yeah, because going back to the story of the woman who was caught in sin... The cross and the resurrection redefine how each person can answer the question in that story. How can we let someone who has sinned go away free? Well, because the cross paid for the resurrection. How can I forgive someone who has done something wrong? Well, the resurrection enables me to have new life in Christ. So these stories that can seem like they're just recounting of events actually have profound answers to questions I have. How do I forgive? How do I deal with my own guilt over my sin? How do I have hope for broken relationships, whether with me or others, or me and people I see around me, for my family, for my community, for the world? That's why the cross and the resurrection are so important, because they do answer these questions of how is God going to fix the world? And one of the things that Tony and I discovered as we were talking, as we were preparing and as we were just talking about this, mm-hmm. is a lot of the big questions that we have about our faith. Things like, can I lose my salvation? Things like, if God is loving, like, why, does, why did fill in the blank happen? A lot of these big questions are really hard for us to wrestle with because we're trying to process the question through something that has happened to us. Yep. So oftentimes when we approach a story that's difficult to understand. It's difficult to see where Jesus or where God is being loving in the moment. 
It's because we've had an experience or we've had a, a broken relationship or something that was done to us that changes the way that we see the question. And so if that is true, then that will also change the answer that we receive. Because, which, uh, go ahead. Which is why sometimes in this whole series, we're emphasizing that we don't want to just give you the quick and easy answer. Look, the answer to should I forgive this person is yes, you should. But I know that for many of you, when you're asking me that, it's about something much deeper than just an intellectual question. It's much deeper because maybe someone has wronged you. Maybe someone has wronged your family. Maybe something profoundly damaging has been done to you that you're struggling with. So when you come up to me with your question, it's more than just, does Jesus tell me to forgive? It's about something that's deeper. And we want to encourage you that even without telling us about your deeper thing, Jesus can answer that for you. And that's what we mean when we say Jesus has the truth in a package that you can understand it, that you need in this moment. Because I don't know all your situations. I look out across here, and some of you I know better than others, and some of you I know what you've gone through and what it's maybe taken to get you here. But even if I know that, that doesn't mean I know how to help you on the next step, how to help you on the healing that maybe you need. Because guess what? I don't even always know what I need for the healing. Right. Like, Claire and I, we're about to enter into the closest relationship that we're going to have, but that doesn't mean that we always understand what each other needs. And there's many moments where I'm praying, like, God, please help her. And Claire's praying, God, please help Tony, because I don't know what he needs in that moment. Right. Can I, can I share a quick story that will really illustrate this? Um, now, this didn't happen to me. It happened to my wife, Caitlin. And um, is it okay if I share the story about, um, I'm just going to share it. It's fine. It's fine. So, um, Caitlin uh, and I, we went to this amazing, like, kind of like counseling, inner healing ministry in the summer. And um, one, of the, one of the big questions that Caitlin was wrestling with, you know the story? Okay. One of the, one of the big... No, no, it's fine. It's fine. One of the big questions that Caitlin was struggling with is, God, I've seen so many people who are important to me or important to others in my life die. Like, why? Why? And that was a question that came from her heart during one of the sessions. And the people who were facilitating this for us, they basically, they would say, okay, we're going we're gonna to take this question to God. The process that we walked through last week and the process that we're going to do again this week. And we're going to take the question and say, Holy Spirit, why did these people have to die? Now, I don't know if you are bold enough to bring that question to the Holy Spirit and expect an answer. I am not always. And this is, this is a great example of how the Holy Spirit gives us the truth in a package that we need. Because the answer that the Holy Spirit gave to Caitlin was, well, those people are with me. And that is exactly where you should be, and that's exactly where they should be. And that doesn't really answer the question, does it? Does it? No, of course it doesn't. But that truth was in the package that Caitlin needed for her to receive some healing from, that, from some of those questions that she had. And the only reason 
that we can receive that truth and receive that. Because really, we can't answer that question, why did those people die? Like, God has, has an answer, and he has an answer for you in the package that you need it to come in. And the only reason we can receive that answer is because Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Yeah. There's a reason that the Bible, especially in the New Testament, that Jesus tells us to view our relationship with God, with him as our father. And I don't know what all your parents were like, so when I'm going to describe this next, it's, it's the relationship I have with my parents. And I'm very blessed in the sense that I can ask my parents almost anything. And my parents will always answer me, but they don't always answer me in the way I wanted, especially when I was younger. <laughs> Has that happened to anyone yeah. before? <laughs> and sometimes parents are really good at, they just give you the next bit. They know more about how to answer that question. But they just give you what you need to know for right now. And the key thing that makes that possible is trust. Right. Because ideally, and again, God's the perfect father, different than all of our earthly parents, is that we would grow, that we would ask our parents and we would ask Father God questions, but also that we would grow to better trust God and trust what he wants for us right now. Because there were times when my my parents would ask me to let go of a question. When I would ask them a question, mom and dad, why did so-and-so do this to me? Or why did this happen? Or why won't you let me do this? And my parents would lovingly, but they would ask me to let go of the question and just trust them. And like, this is not just when I was 10. This was like, this was... Last week? mm, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, last week. But I'm specifically thinking of a situation. I just remember, I was going to go out to a movie, and, and it was like, I was eight. No, I wasn't even 18. I was 24. What am I saying? <laughs> I was 24 one night, and I was going to go out to a movie. And I remember my mom. My mom just came up to me, and she's just like, I don't think you should go. I don't think you should go. And I was like, you know what? No, I, like, I really want to see this. I don't have another time to do it. And, and we talked about it a little bit. And respectfully, like we didn't argue. And I, I left and I drove. And my mom called me halfway to the theater. Savage. And she said, I really don't think you should go. 24 years old, in my own car. And I turned around. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if my mom had a feeling And it was just a random thought. And I also don't know if God kept me from something because my mom had a feeling. But that's the level of trust that I have with my parents and the level of trust that I have with God is that I don't always understand it. But sometimes the answer is trust. And the answer is to let go because God takes responsibility for things. That's the other thing is when we let go of something, God takes responsibility for it. It doesn't just go hanging up in the ether. God says, I want you to let go so that I can carry it. That thing that's on your shoulders, Nick, that question that you have, that's not your question to bear. That's mine. That's my responsibility. And that's the power of what the Holy Spirit can do, is not only can, they answer, can the Holy Spirit answer our question, the Holy Spirit can also take that burden that we've been carrying for a while. Right. That's so good. So... So with, with this understanding and with all of this in mind, um, we want to, again, make some space for us to bring our questions to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Um, and see, this is, 
this is something that we have to do through our whole life. If you're in grade seven, you have some questions about your faith. You have some questions about God. You maybe have some questions about yourself that you don't understand. Maybe you're in grade nine and you're at a new school and you're starting to encounter things that you didn't when you were younger, like um, some, some of the things we talked about last week. You're sitting in science class and your teacher is teaching you one thing and your church is teaching you another thing. What, how do you respond? Or maybe you're in a circle or you yourself are struggling with your sexuality and you're saying, okay, I'm, I, I don't know what to do here. I'm hearing voices from this side. I'm hearing voices from this side. Like, what, what do I do? And this is where that trust that Tony was talking about, that trust that made him turn his car around as, at 24 because his mom said, I don't think that's a great idea. That is a beautiful picture of the trust that we need to have with the Father with our questions. Would you guys stand? And we're going we're gonna to go back into worship. So I want you guys to come up here.